This is Barkcast. You ain't nothing but a hound. On each episode of Barkcast, your questions will be answered by professional, senior trainer and owner of Canine Point Academy, Russell D. Russell. Hi Russell, how's your week been here at Canine Point Academy? It's been very good, thanks for asking. Excellent. Right, we have had an email come in asking a very specific question to you. Um, Should we get a remote collar for our dog? Wow, okay. From... Simon, and, by the and, way. And go. Right. Okay. Nice and simple. Remote collars, uh, a.k.a. electric collars, a.k.a. shock collars. Well, that's what I was going to ask you first of all. What is, is a, a remote, remote collar? collar? It's essentially a, a two-part transmitter and receiver. Think walkie-talkies. Okay. okay. So there's two people each got a walkie-talkie. You can talk to, talk to each other over great distances. The remote collar concept is very similar, except you're not talking, you're creating a stimulation on the collar to the dog. And I'll obviously go into more details as to how this works um, through, the, through the, the pod. They get a really bad rap, remote collars. Everyone will, from a training perspective, we refer to them as remote collars because it sounds uh, quite twee, quite calm, quite, um, there's no drama attached to it. Most people refer to them as electric collars or shock collars, which carries a completely different feel about them. And most people seem to think that remote collars, shock, electric collars, whatever you want to call them, are these super high-intensity damaging things that can really cause serious harm to your dog. On one angle, that can be true, but I would argue that any tool or anything that you use on your dog, if used incorrectly, can be damaging. Remote collars in and of themselves are a really useful tool to use for some dogs. Not all, but certainly for some. The way they work is by increasing levels, the base level will be a simple vibration. So think of what your phone feels like when it vibrates in your pocket, or if you've got a watch that beeps and, and what have you, that's what it feels like. And if you're like, if we're having a conversation now and all of a sudden you get a, a message on your phone and it's in your pocket, you'll feel that and go, oh yep, I, I need to get back to that later. If you were in a really busy, we're at a party or there's lots of things going on and that vibration happens in your pocket, you're probably not going to feel it or notice it quite so much. You need to hear the ringing of the tone or that vibration needs to be a lot stronger to get your attention. The, the way the remote collars work is exactly on that level. So if I'm just sitting here in the house with my dog, I probably don't need to use any stimulation for them. I can just call their name and they're going to respond. If we're at the beach, there's lots of other things going on. They're running with other dogs. I need to be able to give them some sort of stimulation to get their attention away from whatever it's focused on and back to me. Okay, so that's what a remote collar does. If you think in, the remote collar works exactly like any other leash and collar. The difference is you don't have the leash. Understand. My question, would a remote collar be better on a different part of the dog? If you haven't got a leash on it, is the neck uh, sensitive enough for that vibration to work? Do you see where yeah, I'm going there? Because yeah, yeah, you see, when, it, when I'm stroking my dog, Maximus, who's actually with us today, when you stroke, he's got quite a, a um, lot of skin on the neck. And you see the, the dogs pick and up quite, their puppies by the neck. Yeah, yeah, and quite muscly. But you feel his arms and you can feel, or his, sorry, his, or his legs, because no, dogs don't have arms, do they? <laughs> you feel his legs. And they aren't so, you know, there's more sensitivity there. So there's, it's... Part of the thing for having it on the neck, A, it is, it is quite sensitive. And it, 
Bearing in mind, A, there's a lot of muscle and also a lot of fur with a lot of particularly like thick, long-haired dogs. I mean, Maximus is a short-haired dog, but even so, like a, a German Shepherd or some big woolly um, dog's got a lot of fur to kind of get through. The, the other advantage to having it on the neck, generally, if you're using a collar and a leash and you're guiding the dog away, part of the benefit to that is you're able to turn the head. And if I can turn the dog's head away from whatever they're focused on, it's much, much easier which is where something like a harness can fall down because you're just pulling them back, but the, the line of sight is always on whatever it was they were focused on. But The but, remote, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. by definition, by um, placement, if it's on the neck and they'll feel that stimulation, they will tend to turn their head in towards it, which can also, all, also help with in terms of disengaging from whatever they were focused on. Oh, okay. So they're actually, if you put it's a the little bit of control. So there's a. I, I'm, I'm assuming there's some sort of box on yes. the on the collar itself. And Correct. if you put that collar or that box to one side, yeah. There's two little prongs on the base of the. Uh, again, this would be a really useful video one. <laughs> we'll put a picture in the links. So it's a small little receiver box, and there's two little prongs that basically push into the into the skin, and that's where they're getting the 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 vibrations and the stimulations through. This is the wrong word to use, but like a taser. Yeah, yeah, again, so from a training perspective, yeah, we would say, I mean, I, I don't, I refer to them as electric and shock collars because that's what everyone else refers to. And if you start going, no, it's a remote collar, it sounds like you're trying to hide something. So yes, difference with a taser is it goes from completely benign to a million volts, bang. And that's what most people think electric collars do. It's I'm going to stick a lightning bolt into my dog from the get-go. You're not. You start off at a base level of vibration and you have... Think of the, the better example would be static, uh, static shocks. Like you reach for your car handle and you get a little, um, uh, little snap. It's that kind of thing, but you can control the levels of it. But also, and, and I'll go back and <laughs> put up the word taser. I shouldn't have brought up the word taser. Yeah, I know. You, I know it's my mean. fault. Um, however, I, when we're doing our podcasting together, I've noticed that sometimes your watch vibrates and you automatically are looking at your watch to see your emails yeah. coming in, which annoys the hell out of me, as and you know it, it does. It's, it's habitual, right? Yeah. And that's exactly what you're talking about with the with the remote collar. It's not a... It's a... Oh, yeah. what's going on there? I'll have a quick look at that email, which you Correct. turn it And off. We're, we're you know sitting comfortably and calmly here, just the two of us having a little chat, so I will notice these things. If we were... You know, out playing football or out to the party somewhere, I'm less likely to notice it because my my focus and my attention is elsewhere, and that gentle little vibrate on on the wrist just isn't enough to really garner my attention quite okay. so much. And I just like to say, listen, I am playing devil's advocate on this, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> this is just for a change. Yeah, just yeah. for a change. Um, okay, so when should and it's Simon here, um, and he, we've got no information about the dog or age or anything like just that, whether to use it or not. Yeah. Okay. So over the last ten years here in Phuket, I've probably used maybe five or six um, remote collars for different dogs. If that, I'm, I'm, it, it's definitely not more than that. It's, it's probably actually less. I tend to work, and again, it, the, the ones I would tend to use it for, we kind of look at what's rewarding for the dog. Uh, most dogs like a ball. They like treats. They like engagement. They like to be with us. They like to work with us. So, and I can utilize a lot of that to show the dog, hey, coming back to me is super rewarding and there's other benefits to it, like you get to go and play again. You'll sometimes get dogs that their primary focus, their primary reward is just to run. It's just to go. I need that outlet. I need to express. The, the upside with doing a lot of long line leash work, and I remember doing this with you and Maximus way at the beginning, the benefit of it is there's a, a 
it takes a, a lot longer to do, which means you're investing more time into the dog. Investing more time means you're creating more of a bond. Where the remote collar has an immediate upside and downside combined together is it expedites the training process because I can very quickly get a dog to be a brilliantly effective on recall with a remote collar in a very short space of time, which a lot of owners like because they don't want to spend the time getting the dog to that point. And I can argue that's both a good and a bad thing because I would rather people spend the time working with their dog to get a natural recall versus one that we're reliant purely on it being mechanical. It's not to say that there isn't a place for remote collars. There absolutely is. In terms of, yeah, but they can shock dogs and they can hurt dogs. Yeah, of course they can. If you use it incorrectly, they can do some serious damage. So let's touch on that point. Yep. With hurting dogs or, the, or yeah. shocking dogs. I mean, how much are these? And I know I mentioned Taser before, uh, but how much shock are we talking about here? I can't give you an exact sort of voltage, but it's not difficult to find out. I can Google it for you. The, the levels on the ones I use go from 0 to 127. The 0 being a baseline vibrate and the 127 being quite a strong shock. And in terms of shock, it's not like a bolt of lightning that's struck you and burnt you to a crisp. The, the way I like to explain it to people is if you're in a room, you don't see me come in, and I walk up behind and go, boo, that shocks you, right? It's like, oh, I got a shock from that. But it didn't physically hurt you. It wasn't direct pain associated with it. And shock collars work on a similar concept. The, the static electric shock that you get off your car or, some, or, or surfaces every now and again is a, a better example. It's shocking because it shocks you, but it's not like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I've just, my hand's about to explode or, or something like that. Obviously, the, the higher you go on the levels, the stronger the, the stimulation, the, the stronger that static shock that you're going to feel. The difference then becomes when and why am I using different levels? If, again, we're sitting here, everything's calm and quiet, a gentle vibrate, you know, if, you know what it's like sometimes you're just daydreaming, you're off with the fairies and someone's saying, hey, Jay, Jay, and you just, you just don't hear it. And I go, oi! And that's, or I'll tap you on the shoulder. And that's, oh, sorry, yeah, what, what was that? That's my baseline. If my dog is in serious drive mode, chasing chickens or chasing other dogs or cats and running towards high-level traffic, but just seriously engaged and focused on something specific, that, hey, buddy, little tap on the shoulder isn't going to work. I'm going to have to escalate up the levels. And at some point, the dog's going to, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, I remember what this feels like, and this does get stronger. So now I've got a choice to make. I can stop in my tracks because I know what's coming. It's classic avoidance. Or I can keep going. If they keep going, then yes, the stimulation gets stronger. But the dog's the one in control, technically, of how strong that stimulation needs to be. And so using a remote collar... You, there's definitely some training involved in here, 100%. isn't there? Because cause it's not as though, It's not something you just... And I've seen trainers that do this, and this is where remotes get a bad rap. Oh, it's an easy way to expedite and teach my dog to come back. But if the dog doesn't know what that stimulation means, it's, it's, and I've seen this done, it's really horrible and it's really unfair. What I would do is I would teach the dog the basic foundation of recall on leash. I can guide them back into me with the leash. So once they start to understand that process, I then pair it with the remote. So I can apply a low level of stimulation, low, high enough that the dog can register it, but low enough that the dog's, you know, I don't want them screaming in pain, and I can then guide them to me. So showing them coming to me makes this go away. So you would use the remote collar with a long leash as part of the training as method. Part of the training process, so, so, yes. so, so then you would give them a little bit of a, 
a little vibrate, yep. let's say a little sh- little shock, and then you give them a little tug on the lead and then just or the long lead. guide them back in so I can show you th- that little stimulation that you're feeling. And you want it to be enough that the dog sort of pricks its ears up and goes, hang on a minute, what's that's new? What's all that about? And then guide them back to me to say, coming back to me, that's how you turn that off. And then you just rinse and repeat that as a process. And I go, oh, when, I, when you say Rover, come here, and I feel this stimulation, I, as the dog, can control this. I can turn this off by coming back to you. Would you say that a remote collar is the first collar you should go for? Absolutely not. 100% not. <laughs> and I think we have talked about collars before. I think it's episode six. Yeah, we, we did. And we went through sort of all the, the different types that you can get. There's, if you're assuming, and again, Simon didn't give us the details. If I was starting, for example, with a puppy or a very young dog, absolutely not. I would start with a flat collar or a slip leash and build from there. Where remotes tend to come into that immediate use is if we're in a, particular situation with a family and it's this is we need immediate change or the dog has to be rehomed and or we've adopted a street dog or adopted a shelter dog slightly older dog that has a propensity to run away and or just likes to run and needs to be able to have that outlet then a remote collar can be a useful tool because you're immediately giving the dog what it wants freedom and the ability to express with you having the ability to call it back I think you've summarized it there pretty well. I like to think so. <laughs> but to, to caveat, Simon, yes, I would say yes, they can be a good tool. I do believe in using them pr- like anything properly. I'd rather start at the other end first and work my way up. And obviously, I'd like to see the dog before I made any judgment on it. Cool. Thanks, Russ. Thanks very much. Cheers. If you're looking for professional training or somewhere to board your dog, either short or long term, then check out Canine Point Academy. That's caninepointacademy.com or go to Facebook and search Canine Point Academy.